Spelllore is publicly funded by listeners like you. Go to spelllore.com for more quality family programming like Arthur and Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. <laughs> get special limited edition PBS tote bags. You hear that, Fred Rogers? We ripped off your shit and we put it on our Patreon. I, I we look, we shit talk a lot of people. I will not stand for any Mr. Rogers slander on this podcast. I will fucking podcast. drop kick Mr. Rogers' grave in the face. And you Mr. Know Rogers what? is cool, but fuck you, Mrs. Rogers. She was a real <laughs> son of a gun. You know what? Mr. Rogers would let you dropkick him and he'd be like are you okay <laughs> did that make you feel better you're being really violent why <laughs> gather round friends let me tell you a tale of three heroes noble and bold a brute a druid and a thief who is but nine years old you know them by name you know them by deed their quests are famously daring so here i sit singing to you an adventure that is worth sharing Tuck is the brute, he knows not his home, he loves to sing and fight. Fingers half-elf, he shifts his shape and wields his spear with great pride. Billy's a thief, his tiny size does mask the largest heart. Best and brightest, they may not be, but their friendship outweighs their smarts. So gather round, friends, and listen close, for the tale's about to start. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Spout Lore. I'm your game master, Sean O'Hara, and I'm thinking about how in that song, there's one guy just playing the tambourine. <laughs> uh, joining me as always, playing Tacoma Dome, the Barbarian, Abdul Aziz. Hello, everybody. Playing Ving, the half-elf druid, Paul Oppers. Hi, guys. And playing Fat Billy, the halfling thief, Jessica Ty. Good morning. When last we left our heroes, they had entered the tower, the glacial retreat of wizard Adernak Allwater. Setting up camp in the foyer. As you do. As you do. I mean, that is 100% our move. Yeah, you guys have consistently lived in the sitting rooms. (laughs) Totally. You go into a fancy place. This is the nicest, most deluxe room I've ever been in. I'm never leaving. It's a little cramped, but it's beautiful. There's a bowl with keys and shoe mats. (laughs) This fully betrays our dub kid like personas <laughs> yeah. actually in real life where we were where the kind of kids that would walk in and be like, what a beautiful home you have. Ooh. It's like, this is our mud room. <laughs> <laughs> and a beautiful <laughs> mud room it is. <laughs> mud room. My, I slept in the mud room of my house for years. <laughs> Whoa. For real. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Uh, as a kid, it was great. I loved it. I had a bunk bed with no lower bunk, but like a desk underneath. I felt so cool. That's pretty cool. Um, until I was six foot two, like 180 pounds, climbing up a rickety bunk bed. Like King Kong. Yeah. You know, at a certain point when you're a really large teenager, you don't need a ladder on your bed anymore. You just kind of lean forward. Yeah. You're just so horny. It, it, your oh giant God. bone zone pops you up there. The every fuck? night, your parents, every day, your parents are like, squeak it, squeak it. We got to get rid of Sean's bunk bed. It's creaking too much. There's so much creaking. I have to tighten those screws every day. <laughs> every time he wakes up, his bed is like four feet further away from the wall. Because like, the legs are so tall. Anything, any movement that yeah. happens, it jiggles it away. Across. Uh, in the foyer uh, with their new friend uh, Victor, the liar wolf that they had uh, shown kindness to 
thus bonding him forever because apparently no one had ever been kind to Victor. Yeah, he's a rescue. <laughs> <laughs> He's, well, we like to think that he rescued us you. from the time tunnel that broke our minds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they just hung out for a little bit, got some rest, took a little nap. And during the night's watch, Tuck checked out the book case mm-hmm. in the foyer with a brand new copy of a Dirk Adventureman novel that he hadn't read before and was swiftly attacked by all of the books on the shelf. <laughs> Uh, the party did battle with... God, that's the last time Tuck's going to trust a book. Yeah. <laughs> you already were weary. It's some kind of metaphor for sure, yeah. is what Tuck says. <laughs> uh, they survived the book battle, uh, moving further into the building and discovering a dining room with a beautiful centerpiece of flowers that they swiftly discovered were not planted in anything, but perfectly alive. Uh, Billy, of course, at this point, ate one and found that he was vivified revived in a way his 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 biology singing with the the energies of the flower giving him one additional bonus health point against my better judgment (laughs) so of course the rest of the party began eating flowers (laughs) Uh, so they're all fully healed and then some yeah uh, then next the party continued their explorations of the tower (laughs) discovering a ballroom upon entering Music began to play, and as if from the very ice itself, exact copies of the party knit themselves together from what appeared to be true flesh and bone, asking if they would like to dance, and upon refusal, they were attacked very quickly by their dance partners, until Ving convinced everybody to dance with them. Maggie did some uh, square dancing with her partner. (laughs) Perel with his Perel did a beautiful emotional Napoleon Dynamite yeah. style <laughs> oh, dance, interpretive dance team uh, and Tuck tried to kiss himself <laughs> thinking the only way to solve this crisis was to make out and potentially make love to himself mm-hmm. that was the end goal <laughs> I mean I of course so. it yeah. wasn't the goal but I was willing to go all the way yeah that's the problem <laughs> I'll do anything for you guys. Anything. I'll even fuck myself in the ass. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> no, I'm going to do mouth stuff first. I like to duck <laughs> straight for ass. <laughs> you solved the dance puzzle. Mm-hmm. You just had to dance until through the ice, movement was seen on the floor below. The shadows light. Ving and Billy booked for the door. With Perel, uh, Tuck smashed through the floor as it attempted to heal itself, crashing into the workshop below the room as a door slammed on the other side. The party did a chase down the stairs, kind of chasing each other, but also chasing the person that they were chasing. Mm -hmm. Arriving in a room uh, surrounded by shelves covered in mysterious items, Mm -hmm. Tuck, arriving first, found the room empty of people. And then immediately said, I'm going to smash everything in this room if you don't come out right now. Mm-hmm. Maggie talked him down. The party arrived. Billy, in an attempt to find the hidden pursuee, took Perel with him into the fairy realm using his new move, Midnight Waltz, upon which Perel was almost immediately overwhelmed by the energy he could feel. Billy continued to... Creaming his magical genes. Oh, he fucking creamed him hard, dude. Thalmic, thalmically creaming yeah. his thalmic genes. Yeah, because this is a hot spot, too. So this is like 
drinking from a fire hose. So actually, that's another thing that cream. We, <laughs> just sucking cream out of a hose. Oh, yum. <laughs> oh, my God. Billy, no. Get away from that hose, Billy. Just because never been more on board. <laughs> cream hose. Um, Billy sent him back to his body, but remained in the ferry so they could keep looking around and Perel found himself wandering over to a rolled up piece of canvas that he unrolled exclaiming Morris and the party saw a portrait of a wizard presumed to be Morris Wadge which then blinked and that is where we find ourselves now Billy is still in the ferry realm yes yeah and Perel is holding a portrait that has blinked and the portrait starts to shake in his hands Whoa. And kind of like flap a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he drops it. He backs away and drops it on the ground. Whoa. What was that? Uh, piece of cloth too heavy? <laughs> Ving says and goes and picks it up. And Perel doesn't No, Like as you're going to pick it up, the portrait starts to, you know, in like Looney Tunes when someone gets like crushed by a safe yeah. and they're all 2D and they oh, start yeah. to lift themselves up. But the, the end of uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, that's exactly. what I was thinking. Yeah. Of. Completely flat. The man in the portrait begins to lift up from the canvas and starts to like origami into unfold. a man unfold yeah Ooh. like his limbs start to extend Ooh, creepy and then there's like slices of him that are <gasps> filling in behind so wow he's like a fax 3D yeah he starts oh. to becoming like three dimensional Chuck Pukes <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and within I don't know 20 seconds 30 seconds there is now a man standing before you He's on the shorter side, probably about five six, five eight, but broad. You said he was really burly. He's stocky. Yeah. And he's wearing previously very fine robes that are now tattered, maybe like a kind of burgundy and gold sort of like uh, paisley-ish. Yeah. You know, like kind of floral and gilt, mm-hmm. but really tattered. And then he's got big mutton chops. He's kind of balding on his head, maybe. Like, it's receding. He's got a high, like, widow's peak. Oh, cool. And then no mustache or beard. What's the hairstyle? I think, like, bullish. You know, like an old king? Oh, yeah. Like Henry VIII, the goes down and tucks in. I'm imagining it, like, swept back for the most part. Like, kind of long, almost, like, down to his shoulders. Like, he's been living rough for a little while? Yeah. Okay. Like, maybe this was a really nice haircut two years ago. But Mm -hmm. he still has the time to shave the mutton chops out. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, Apparently. (laughs) And Perel is just standing there slack-jawed. Tuck is being very quiet because you know it's it's a big moment. Am I still in the fairy world or can I pop back in? Oh, you can pop back in, yeah. Yeah, I'll pop back in. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. So you... That makes sense if something is unfolding in the room. There's a big, like, uh, (laughs) disturbance in the shadow world. You saw Tuck throw up. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I should get back there. Yeah, Yeah, so you... Oh, I have the mints. You, like, you... (laughs) Oh, I've got the mentos on me. He's gonna need some help. So, yeah, like, the the energy that Billy saw in the fairy world on the Mm -hmm. portrait has, like, blossomed into this, like... Bright. It was like shards of light. I like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Those spectrums mm-hmm. unfolding. Mm-hmm. And now like, it's that this, was weird. <laughs> it's this like gl- it's like this glowing torch now. Almost what Perel looked like when he was here, but now he's quite dimmed in his mm-hmm. material form. And uh he says Hello, Betty. And Perel <laughs> steps forward, kind of like shell shocked. Perry? Dexter's crack. <laughs> Harry, this name is so yeah. sweet. I've never thought of 
I didn't know we could give him a nickname. <laughs> oh, yeah. Billy has big anime tears. And Perel. We all hug him yeah. together. We're all s- <laughs> behind you guys just are just hugging. At the end of a George Lucas movie looking at these people meet again. Crying silently. Uh, <laughs> quivering lips. And Perel is like <laughs> gasping almost. He's like. <sighs> and then he just balls up his fist and he punches Morris right in the nose. No. He's just like, you son of a bitch. You left me. You left us. And he's like trying to grab Morris. Oh, I tuck goes, him. Tuck goes forward and he holds Morris. Perel wraps around Perel to hold Morris. It's like he goes, it looks like he's going for Perel to stop him, but then he holds Morris's shoulders and pins him to the ground. Perel's between you and Morris. Get him. I imagine Tuck is like pretty like gentle and business like about it too. Like just there you go, Perel. Here you go. Yeah. Do whatever you need to do. Let let Uncle Tuck help you. And uh, yeah, Perel feeds him a couple more. And it goes slow motion, pink haze. And I need you now, tonight. (laughs) Slap. (laughs) And uh, Morris, very notably, is not really fighting back. Mm. Uh, He gets slugged a couple times, and then Perel stops and grabs him by the front of his robes and pulls him up and hugs him and just holds and is you can he's like shaking <laughs> tuck is also holding morris so now they're hugging inside of tuck's arms and then tuck like h- hugs them both <laughs> can we go i want to go hug i'm going to go inside hug okay. so morris emerged from a portrait from a two-dimensional plane to get punched in the face uh-huh. three times and now he's being hugged by people he doesn't know Okay, I go hug. Well, I go hug. I hug Ving's leg. Yeah, who's on the back of yeah. Morris? Yeah, and uh, Perel's got his face like buried in Morris's like neck, and he's just hugging him so hard, mm-hmm. just breathing it in. Yeah, and then he pulls back and he kisses Morris, and he just looks at him like he's just looking in his face, and then <laughs> Perel's like, "All right, get, you guys can get off." Because it. Do you want me to? No, just stop. Just okay, chaos. Yeah. Some privacy. Ving is like also leaning with his eyes closed, with his lips out. Like, oh, oh I guess we're kissing now. Is this uh, is this no- is this normal now? Is this like a is this a normal part of your life? Yes. It's, uh, it's our normal. It's our normal. This yeah. is normal. I'd like to get up if that's all right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get off. Uh, it's good to meet you. <laughs> just, Mr. Wedge, big fan. Uh, of course you would be, wouldn't you? And love, he- love this guy. <laughs> That was attitude. And uh, uh, Billy's like kind of shy and he's like, um, do you guys want adult time? Mm-hmm. Should I go wait out in the hallway? Oh, uh, uh, no, b- 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 Billy, no, no, no. I think everybody has some questions. Well, I, I know I've most, got some fucking yeah, questions. I think you've mostly got questions. In- yeah, if you've got fucking questions, we don't have to be in the room <laughs> when you ask them. <laughs> I, it's understandable. I, 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 I can look. I can answer any questions you want. Are you alone here? Yes. Are you telling the truth? Yes. Why would I lie? I don't know. You're a wizard. Oh, because I'm a wizard, I lie. That's that's what you're suggesting. Well, we're also here looking for someone else. We didn't really expect to find you. Who are you? Are you looking for uh, for all water? Mm-hmm. Yes. Good luck. What was that supposed to mean? I've been here for weeks. Not a soul until the three of you. Why are you even 
here? Oh, uh, yeah, that's a great question, Tuck. That's a great question. Uh, how did you, what are you, how are you here? It's, uh, it's difficult. Could we go somewhere maybe more comfortable? I, well, you know, we could go back to the fanny pack. The, we have that, right? Oh, yeah. Billy takes it off of his waist and he starts setting it up. Morris sees the fanny pack and laughs. I can't. Where did you get this? What did we get this? We found I, it in a treasure worm and then a bird gave it to us. <laughs> treasure worm. Wow. I, I mean, what do you think? It's beautiful. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's home it's the nicest, to us. Yeah, it's the nicest tent I ever stayed in. Yeah. This is, I was going to mass produce these things, but this ended up only being a proof of concept. It's really cool. Yeah. It's, we've, uh, and then Tuck realizes that it's <laughs> fucked up inside. Oh, yeah. We kind of oh. took liberties. Yeah. Jess, we lost track of it for a while, and some assholes got in there and really did a <laughs> yeah. number on it. Oh, you know, okay. Uh, no. You guys stay you, here. Yeah, you guys should hang out here, and we'll go yeah. inside. Yeah, you don't want to be in here. It's got a lot of things written on the walls. I, no, that's, I mean, I, we, I've seen it. Oh, right. You were in it. I was. I wasn't sure who had it, so I didn't stick around for long, but I did, uh, I did take, a, take a quick visit. Let's just, let's go in. Let's go in. Okay. I've had enough of this uh, ice. It's not, I don't love it thematically. It's, you know, it's not my, not my proudest work, but uh, let's just, let's head inside. Okay. My face is getting cold. Not so much on the sides here, but right <laughs> in the bottom. Right yeah. in the chin and the nose area. Right underneath the nose. <laughs> And, uh, you know, a few minutes later, you guys are kind of arrayed. Uh, Morris is kind of walking around with his hands on his hips, just like, ah, yeah, this is great. Just beautiful. And he pats like the lintel on the fireplace and <laughs> adjusts the portrait and touches the safe and shit like that. I like that it looks a little bit different here. Things are like, is it more roomy? Because he created, like, and he has mastered space, so space is different. The spaces that he's created oh, are slightly oh, different when cool. he's in them. Space yeah. acts different around him. Because yeah. it, it would, like, know what he wants. Totally. And he would know how to tell it. Oh. Yeah. He could walk towards the danger wall, and it just, like, fades a little bit. Yeah. Because he wants a little extra space. <laughs> Room gets more comfortable. And when he pats the safe, it, like, automatically repairs itself. Because wow. we totally oh, fucked oh, right. it up. <laughs> Yeah, Did yeah. you put that that terrible watch robot centipede uh, sentry? Oh, thing? the centipede! Oh, you tried to get in. Oh, I see. Didn't you use the key? What key? key. What key? I left a key in the safe. There's no key in there. Porel, did you not get? You found the letter. It wasn't there when I went in. Yeah, I found your letter. And he reaches over and he takes the letter from Perel, and it's like a sheet of paper. And he kind of grabs the edges. And sort of uh, rubs them together, rubs his fingers together, and the paper begins to like fold out from itself and then fold back in and creates this very stylized but simplistic like key shape. Oh. oh. And then he says, you have lost your touch. <laughs> yeah. It's been a long time, Prel. I'm mm -hmm. not familiar with this anymore. And uh, he goes over to the danger room wall. And begins unclasping it. No, no, Whoa, no, 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 why not? We shoved the broken sentry bead back in there, but we don't know what it's going to do. You shoved it back in? Yeah. yeah. Oh. To like the dark place that it came from. Oh, also, we have, I don't know what effect this will have on the rest of the space, but we have been treating it kind of like a toilet. 
it's true. We didn't know where to put that stuff. So your house didn't have a bathroom in it, Mm. so we were shitting outside for a while. But then we killed the sentry paid, and it was this darkness just became toilet zone. (laughs) So you've never been outside the servants' quarters. So this is another foyer situation. (laughs) He he looks around. Look, there's a kitchenette. Yes. Little sitting area. This is the nicest house I've ever lived in. Yeah. This is literally for the staff to relax in. He opens the clasp and he pulls back the flap and reveals like, what does he reveal? What's the room on the other side? I mean, I'm picturing the Harry Potter thing. It's vaulted ceilings with like blankets and like just like a fireplace. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's a blanket fort. There's like a spiral staircase that spiral goes up staircase. to another story. Yeah. Oh another yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. A, like yes, observatory <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Like a big, Night sky watchery. Yeah. It's definitely got like, and I like thick wooden beams. Abdul's. It's a blanket fort. It's got a blanket fort vibe oh. on the outsides of it, but yeah. then yeah. like inside, it's like a very fine living space. Yeah. Hmm. I love the idea that it is this like vaulted room mm-hmm. made out of like the material of the tent yeah. yeah but it's like you look up and it's like the spiral staircase goes up to a telescope and it's the night sky yeah. oh, oh i love that that's yeah. very cool it's kind of like you know how like jasmine's room in the aladdin where it's like kind of indoor outdoor vibe yeah. totally yeah yeah so this is the this is the study slash observatory <laughs> Says, but one of many rooms that I designed for the fanny pack. There's more. This is this was designed to be a portable palace. <laughs> Ving's legs give out. He needs to sit down. Tuck catches Ving. <laughs> he goes like this. Oh, and, goes, oh, and Tuck is swaving his face. Oh, oh my god. Ving. Uh, Billy waves some smelling salts under Ving's nose. Oh my god. <laughs> sorry. Your fingers fucking reek, Billy. I'm sorry, sorry. thank you. No, they wake it's me up. It's the cheese. Oh my god. <laughs> and Perel is walking around looking at this, taking it all in. There's like, yeah, there's the spiral staircase that goes up to the observatory. There's a balcony up there. There's like huge library shelves mm-hmm. um, with books on them. And there's like tables and chairs and what looks like a little bar area. Oh, I like that he picks up a book and throws it up in the air and lands on the ground and boof, pops out into a, a giant tent. Like a, some of these books oh, are also yeah. like, you can just take these out. To and like they the can other be like rooms? Homes, yeah. One of them, you can pop them into a handsome cat. He goes, they're pop-up books. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. I yeah. love pop-up books. <laughs> this place was going to be, I mean, this was going to change everything until, you know, people decided that uh, maybe it wasn't worth having us around anymore. Didn't you make this so that you guys could just, like, fuck off and leave? Make what? Wasn't, like, the fanny pack part of, like, the waywalking project? You needed this to be able to live outside of the universe. No, this was a separate project of mine. The the extraplanar evacuation project was, uh, different. It was a success, but a failure. Let's maybe take it from the beginning. How did I get here? Is that question one? Yes. All right. And he stands and he, uh, he, thro- he grabs a couple books off the shelves and he throws them in front of them and they all just like pop, 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 become like chairs that he stands around like in a semicircle around him. And then he takes another and he throws it in front of him and it becomes a lectern. Cool. 
All right, please, if you don't mind, take a seat. Tuck goes and sits down. <laughs> and he uh, reaches over and he grabs a couple other books and he throws one like further away from you that unfolds into like made of paper and leather, like a butler. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, cool. <laughs> with, a tr- so with a tray of like uh, little like <gasps> cups and plates. Oh, Billy's standing up on the chair like, oh boy. That as you're oh watching, they like, they <laughs> fill themselves with various liquids and foods. <laughs> oh, cool. And the paper oh. butler you hear like, like shuffles over to you. Billy grabs the throw blanket and tucks it into his collar. Like a bib. A full blanket yeah. that covers his entire body. Yeah. Just yeah. his arms coming out. <laughs> like a snuggie. Yeah. yeah. And the paper butler hands out, yeah, food and drink. And whatever you take off the tray, you find is whatever you wanted in that moment. Oh, cool. Wow. Tuck takes a thing and it's ox's blood. Yeah. Because he hasn't had it in a long time. Yeah. And then he is... He's wedged because these are, you know, those university type seats where it's oh, like with the desk, thing? the desk folds up and <laughs> yeah. over. So he like, he's like <laughs> too big for it. So he's like trying to wedge himself in and then pull the desk up, but he <laughs> wrenches it off. <laughs> he's like, all right. He's just, really small. Just, just, just settle in, settle in. And then as you okay. kind of stop fighting the tape the chair <laughs> you feel it yeah you feel it unfold a little bit more underneath you okay to become more comfortable <laughs> thank you and billy's actually folds in a little bit yeah to, it's made a little uh like like a like, like a, a tray. baby chair <laughs> yeah, yeah totally like a high chair, high chair. Yeah. it rises up a little bit uh-huh. so your eye level with the adults mm-hmm. yeah and has a little tray wings is, pops out like a lazy boy oh, oh my god <laughs> feet up feet up impressive right amazing is this a lemon snow cone i haven't had one of these since i was a kid it's whatever you asked it to be wow uh, there's a lot of dirty cubes of beets and turnips <laughs> and then uh, raw dirty cubes yeah, raw and then um, a pot of honey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, honey pot. Yeah. Beautiful. There is more. The butler keeps dropping off like little samples of things. <laughs> yeah. He goes so, to walk and you're like, oh. Yeah. There's um, a quarter of an egg sandwich and uh, <laughs> a quarter of an yeah, egg sandwich. Yeah, he a little small amount of sandwich. Yeah. And it's then- like really, a quarter of a really big egg sandwich. Yeah. But like, yeah, magically a full egg sandwich was generated <laughs> yes. and then the quarter was removed. Yeah. Yeah. And then he has a, a gravy to go with it mm-hmm. and then he has a chicken soup with gravy to go with it. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> <laughs> so there's two separate kinds of yeah. gravy. Yeah. He's pudding. Uh-huh. Savory pudding and sweet pudding. Yeah, savory and sweet. Rice pudding as well. Sweet. <laughs> and Morris is just watching this. <laughs> and uh, an apple that's cut up. This is beautiful. This is like a stress test. This is amazing. <laughs> uh, I've never had someone so hungry try and use <laughs> the golem before. This is crazy. incredible. There's those like uh, pouches that babies drink from, like the, the smoothie, goo bags. the goo bag. The goo bag. There's a couple goo bags. He really likes those. Yeah. <laughs> the table keeps getting big, flipping yeah. everything out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and loose Cheerios. This is, I mean, please, as much as you want. I want to see if there's an upper limit to this. <laughs> you, you sure you want to see more? I, I The page can bring you whatever you want. It's called a page? That's great. I came up with that while you guys were talking. That's so cool. Okay. Yeah. Pizza toppings. Just, Just the, the toppings? Yeah. Why am I going to waste Everyone my time is- with the oh, crust? Oh my God. You brought it up so sheepishly and then defended it so vehemently. Yeah. This is just, it's literally like a programmer 
making a program that is like, I've thought of everything I could, and then a user interacting with it and doing the weirdest <laughs> shit possible. So it's just a bowl just the toppings. with marinara sauce, yeah, he, cheese, and vegetables. He brought, a, he brought a pizza, and he slid the toppings off onto a plate for Billy. And then... <laughs> And now there's a full pizza. And then now there's a little plate with spaghetti and meatballs that Billy's eating with just his hands. Wow. And a side of cheese, grated cheese, that Billy's also eating with his hands. (laughs) There's puffs of cheese. This is just. It's been just 10 minutes. We all sat down yeah. and w- we're done. Our drinks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. he came by and was like, you guys want to? No, I'm good. I'm good. Maggie and Perel, who very notably did not sit down or accept any food or drink, have been watching this so long that they got thirsty. So they both grab a drink. Um, there's- Ving's doing that thing where he's eating like he, the, the, the bottom of a pizza. He is eating a three quarters, three quarters. of You <laughs> yeah. yes. just got the mom meal yes. from the- yeah, yeah, the leftovers. He's eating some marinated beans. <laughs> I haven't even seen some of these foods before. Borscht. <laughs> borscht, I am familiar with borscht, yeah. And then just a handful of like garden weeds. Yeah. <laughs> like for a palate cleanser. Yeah. I wish I could speak to the conjurer that designed this spell for me billy is like his eyes are glazed over oh, oh he's okay is he's he, done we should probably i think he's done now, i mean yeah. i think he could go further if i'm being no, honest I no, could go further. The weeds, he's done <laughs> yeah right the weeds are an indication that you're at you're like fairy right. yeah. li- the fairy oh. hunger oh, is yes. gone. like dandelions are starting <laughs> yes. to come out right. of his head morris what were you saying that was i can't remember <laughs> that was astounding uh, I basically just, oh, what? Right. Um, he's like kind of looking at Perel, but kind of trying not to look at Perel because he can just feel <laughs> the like rage boiling off of him. <laughs> I'd like to take this opportunity to answer any of your questions so we can sort of get this out of the way and carry on with our lives. So, yes. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Yeah. Oh. That- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Were you going for that? Yeah. yeah. Oh no, I ruined the joke. No. <laughs> that was great. Uh, I was going to say, where did you? I, I thought of it, but you know what? Because I respect women and their wow. ability to tell jokes, I did not jump on that. I am. A, I'm famously a misogynist, <laughs> and I think that it's time we talk about it. Because I am an ally. <laughs> I'm so glad how you got there. I yeah, know it took some time, but mm-hmm. thank you. Yep. Welcome. Thanks. Um, short answer is I escaped the extra planar evacuation project using a complicated and difficult application of the thaumic tunneling principle, which allowed me to arrive at a point not of my choosing, connected to work that I have done in the past. Wait, what do you mean escaped? You, were you a prisoner? The, right, I suppose I haven't actually talked to anyone outside of it. The exodus was not what you may have thought it to be. We were deceived. <gasps> By who? I wish I could answer that, but uh, what we do know, what I do know, is that we thought that we were leaving a world that no longer wanted us for one of our own design. 
but it was not a paradise. It was a prison. Whoa. What was the prison? It was what we were told. It was a world that we were creating for ourselves. Worlds unto our own. But once we entered, I found I could not leave. Like you weren't allowed to leave. I was unable to leave. Whoa. It was a one-way, one-way hole. How'd you get back? When'd you get back? I was there for, uh, I don't know what year it is. <laughs> we also don't know what year it is. We don't know what, actually, we do kind of know what year it is. Right. We don't know what the calendar is, but we did suggest that the beginning of the show took place in the year 420. Oh, oh. Because we thought it was funny. <laughs> no. Yeah. So is it like 422 now? Yeah, it's like 422 on a calendar we haven't established. Yeah. Because I was thinking about this. 420 is funny. And then if you go 40 years into the past when Mallbrats takes place, it's 480. It's the 80s. Oh, oh. cool. Yeah. Wait, 380s. 380s. Yeah, it's the 380s during oh, so uh, Mallbrats. So it's the 420s right now. Oh, cool. I, we are in the, uh, oh, what, is, what would it be called? Like ages. I like coming up yeah. with the, the ages. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's, I like feel like it's maybe second two. Second grieving or something, you know what I mean? So the, I know the, grie- in my mind, the grieving took place at least a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. So I think we're maybe like two ages past the death of Rian. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what it is. It's the third age. Well, what's the, what's the steps of grieving? Not that we have to oh, abide by right, it. Yeah. But. Like, <laughs> like anger, bargaining, acceptance. Yeah. Oh Yeah. yeah. We are, I guess it's depression now. That makes that sense. That makes the sense. Great that we're depression. Post- yeah. <laughs> the world's in a great depression. Great depression. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense. The year 22. Yeah. yeah totally. And also. Yeah. The most depressing year. And it's like all technology is gone. Yeah. Everybody yeah. lives in like an apocalypse. Yeah. Potatoes are worth a lot. There are wars starting to pop up. Yep. Yeah. Third age of grieving. I like the third age of grieving. Third, I like it too. Yeah, that's pretty good. Which is also called like the depression. But the, but like the wizard stuff in the golden age was all the last like couple hundred years. But the grieving happened a long time ago, right? Yeah. So it was like that was the the war itself was the grieving. And then whatever came after it was the second age of grieving, mm-hmm. which ended in like the golden age of technology. Mm-hmm. And then the third age of grieving is like the post, apocalypse. Yeah. Post yeah. Exodus? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so when you tell him that it's 422, he is kind of like wide-eyed. I was in there for over 90 years. I've only been out for a month, two months. Oh, wow. Oh. I, I, it's been hard to keep track of time. The first few days after I, first few weeks probably, after I escaped, I was... Uh, not myself. How so? It felt like I'd um, been dumped into a freezing lake. Like something had been torn away from me. Oh. Whatever has happened in the last 90 years, something is missing. And my lack of connection to it disoriented me greatly. And Perel steps forward and says, what happened is they fucking killed us, Morris. All of you left, and the ones that were left behind were wiped out. There's like a silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like twiddling my thumbs like, this is awkward. <laughs> my grandparents are fighting. <laughs> 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 you're, 
hear a cup fall <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> my so my loud. sippy cup. Yeah. <laughs> it's so loud. Yeah. <laughs> it just it hits the ground and then like bounces a bunch. Uh-huh. Like, cluck, 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 it's clanging for so ping, long. Ping, ping, ping. And then when it's done. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And after the sorry, the set, the silence continues to stretch. And then Billy goes, <laughs> <laughs> and there's just the occasional like as the page starts to move, and Morris holds his hand up. And then Billy starts drinking from his sippy cup again. <laughs> the page is shuffling uncomfortably. <laughs> Like it's, it's like adjusting its yeah. like origami it's vest. It's really crisp shirt. It's basically doing Rodney Dangerfield. Like, cool. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I a, should say this thing is basically made of really crisp shirts. Yeah. Like it's all folds and flat planes. So it's just like it's a thomic construct, and even it is uncomfortable. <laughs> it shouldn't have emotion. Palatable in here. And then I I wave the page over. <laughs> Can I see a menu? Do you have a menu? <laughs> <laughs> and it reaches Do you into guys it. Have a happy hour. It reaches into its coat and produces a menu made of the same paper that it's made of. And I, I take it. I glance furtively over at the standoff between Perel and. And I guess they've just been staring at each other. I wonder if they can read minds. <laughs> They're communicating telepathically. I, I say that to Ving yeah. really loud. <laughs> well, it's only loud because it's so quiet. <laughs> no, we can't read minds, Billy. He's just not fucking saying anything. I don't know what to say. I don't... I can't believe it. How did this happen? What do you mean, how did this happen, says Burrell. Now I'm fucking audiobook mode. Hell yeah. Ving has got a big bowl of popcorn. (laughs) This is awesome. (laughs) The strength of wizards was never in our magic, and you know that. It was in our unity. It was in the gathering, the community. And when wizards first broke that, we were left defenseless. We were on our own. Aquaria almost died. I was in prison for a hundred years. And where were you? I was trapped, Perel. I was trapped. I made that world for us. I said in the letter, I was making it for the three of us. We could have lived there forever and been happy forever. But I couldn't come back. And Perel thinks for a second, says, I I didn't realize I didn't get that from the letter. I said in the letter, I was going to show you that I was sorry I had to leave but I would show you that it was all worth it. What do you think I meant by that? I don't know. I, I, I found a letter from you for the first time. I read your words for the first time in what felt like a, a millennia, and I didn't know what they meant, and I was angry, and I was sad. Did you really try to come back? And he doesn't even look sad. He like slams his hands on the lectern a little bit. He's like, of course I did. Why? How could I abandon you? Why would I do that? Why did you think that of me? I didn't know what to think of you at that point. Honestly, this wizard's first stuff, it, feel, it feels like it got in your head and it turned you into someone that I didn't know and that I didn't like. And I thought that this was just sort of the final twist. The final twist of the knife was you leaving. And Morris uh, like grunts and kind of 
like sniffs a little bit and kind of coughs. And he's like, all right, well, I didn't. I didn't leave. Now, do you have any more questions? Did you get your menu? He says it so direct. Yes. Oh, man. He's just, oh, I'm so mad. He says really. it like Gordon Ramsay. Did you get your fucking menu? Your donut. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got the menu. All right. Let's just, let's, let's crack on. You got any questions? Let's get them out now. Oh, do we like discern or, or, or oh, yeah, anything I guess, about these? Yeah. I mean, you could discern realities or spell lore, I suppose. I mean, maybe each of you gets one question. That's what yeah. we'll do. Okay. Yeah. And do we have to roll for it? To do we get, yeah, spout lore? Or do we get a question? Spout lore about it, and that will determine how much Morris actually oh, knows. Okay. Oh, cool. smart. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So who's going first? Who's got a question? I want to know what Morris knows about the man behind mm. the, the plan of Wizards First. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Wizards yeah. first sold this idea of like the extra planar Exodus project uh-huh. as a paradise turned out to be a prison. I want to know if Morris knows who was the person who was actually pulling the strings on Wizards first. Oh, I see. All right, I'll spell lore. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. First roll of the game. First roll of the game. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Get twelve. Get twelve. 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 Four. Four. (laughs) And you know what? This is perfect because, um, uh, so he knows plenty about the people that were involved in Wizards First. As a movement, it formed in the, uh, the early days of what would become the Wizard War. As we sort of came to realize that humanity, the mortal people, didn't appreciate what we added to society, everything that we could do and everything they needed from us. A natural and understandable resentment grew amongst wizards as uh, we realized that people that should have considered us their betters saw themselves as having power over us, the most powerful beings on the planet. But I was but a piece of a project. The membership of Wizards First was in the dozens. Easily three dozen wizards working in concert on a task and project that had never been conceived or considered before. Clearly, there were ulterior motives amongst some of the membership or perhaps an outside force, but I was too focused on my work to have the safeguards necessary to see the trickery that existed at the heart of the movement. Were you alone in the prison? Yes. What? You didn't, you weren't in contact with the other wizards that were... No, part of the project was that we would create worlds for ourselves. Self-contained universes. I realize now that the key to this plan may have been to separate and isolate us. Oh. If we were able to work together, we may have been able to break out sooner. But unfortunately, I was alone and frankly mad for a number of decades whoa coming in and out of consciousness and in and out of reality and it wasn't until i was able to regain my senses that i was able to work on escaping uh and who's next for question i i want to know 
when he came to Adarnak's tower for mm-hmm. what is he looking for? Yeah, totally. Uh, so two d six plus intelligence. <gasps> Eleven. Eleven. Oh, that's Holy so smart! Shit. Interesting and wow. useful. Yeah. <laughs> The delta between our average rolls is fucking crazy. I think it's because Billy ate so much, so his brain is like on all. Just (laughs) it is on. He's finally got all the nourishment he needs. uh It's on a different plane of existence. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) His eyes are facing different directions. He's connected to the overmind. (laughs) The food baby has arrived. You're the food baby. I am food baby. Like go, like floating with your fingers like this, but there's like corn dogs in your, oh, yeah. <laughs> your connecting yeah. your thumbs and your. He's got little raspberries fingers. on the ends of yes. his fingertips. Some bugles, maybe. Yeah. Uh, when I was able to escape, I came out, and my own tower, and immediately was disoriented, as I said, from the uh, lack of I'm realizing now connection to the thalmic field that wizards cast over the world. I, rather than use my natural gifts to uh, get where I needed to go to find others, I used back doors that I had built into various towers that I'd worked on. I realized as I left my tower to the next that I was unable. I attempted to return the same way and ended up somewhere else. So something's broken down with the way that my work connects to one another, it seems like it is a unreliable method of transport. So I found myself jumping from place to place, hoping that I would find someone. Hoping that you would find your way home. <laughs> Wait, is that a song what's, lyric? What's this? What text says, you know, you're you know, jumping from place to place, helping out people whenever you can, hoping that the next jump will be the one that takes you home. Quantum leap. <laughs> Deep. Doing these quantum leaps. Because you said you'd do a kind of quantum tunneling. Like a, th- like a thaumic tunneling, yeah. Yep. Thaumic leap. <laughs> doing these thaumic leaps, uh, references to a show that the person doing my voice is not super familiar with. <laughs> but I became wary and cautious, focusing most on my survival. So I stopped making quite as many jumps. And I've only been leaving places when I've been forced to. What forced you out? Just uh, kind of overstaying my welcome, so to speak. Some places have stores or places to conjure food. Some places I would um, accidentally break the spell necessary for clean water, for example. Oh. And I was, um, I hesitate to say afraid, but definitely cautious of leaving. That's okay if you're afraid. I was not. Afraid. But you know, sometimes we're all afraid, and that's where real bravery comes in. You gotta be afraid first to be brave. Some, perhaps, but not me. You're wrong. And as this back and forth is happening, Tuck is snuck up behind <laughs> Morris, and then he goes, <laughs> and he actually he, he folds out his existence for a second. <laughs> he does. He tenses. He folds up like a piece of cardboard, and then uh, unfolds somewhere else in the room. <laughs> Oh, that's pretty fun. I was not afraid. That was a natural defensive instinct (laughs) developed over many years by a professional and skilled wizard. So you you came here because you were like, I'm hungry. I'm going to see what Adarnax got. I I wish that I could tell you that I had deliberately came to this tower 
But anytime I moved, I was rolling the dice, cool. taking a crap shoot, ending up somewhere I'd worked before. I see. Otherwise, I would have been at Aquarius Tower this whole time. Oh, oh. yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's been going from like like tower to tower. Mm-hmm. Some of those towers were probably vaults. Oh, yeah. And he, he wouldn't know what hotspots are. Yeah, no. Because he, yeah, hadn't seen them. That's probably what it is. Like coming back to this world where magic is so sparse, but also like, aggressive in some spots was mm-hmm. probably really disorienting right I feel like his where he's folding in and out because he's the end one of the engineers of the place hot spots are where he's folding mm-hmm. in and out oh that's a really good point so if he's going from place to place and where he's ending up is where hot spots are even uh-huh. if he doesn't realize that mm-hmm. yeah he's being for lack of a better term recharged really erratically yeah. yeah so his magic is probably all over the place which explains why he isn't able to direct it and it's also explains why he's like kind of looks sort of fucked up because he's like being exposed yeah. to radiation all the time basically and he seems a little off like it uh-huh. seems like he's like kind of jumpy and he's l- distracted a lot uh-huh because he went crazy he said <laughs> for a while because yeah. he was in solitary confinement for a hundred years yeah like perel well perel at least had this like he's only energy state you know what i mean like he could probably tune out Oh, yeah. He probably wasn't fully conscious at all. Yeah. Until the wards started to break. That's probably when he started becoming conscious again. Mm. But, yeah, but Morris had to be conscious for 90 he years. He was in personhood yeah. that whole time. And Perel uh, didn't really gain consciousness until he kind of was infiltrating Billy's mind. Totally. So right. He yes. was sort of reconnecting at that point. Mm-hmm. And even then he was he was mad because he yeah. was like Pilar was still yeah. a part of him at that point. Uh-huh. I like that he was using Billy's phase the fae part of billy through the fae part of billy's connection to oh. his wanting to be rooted in this boy yeah oh. like billy's ex- like really deep connection to the human boy yeah because wow. the same way that billy has used used the boy yeah. to come into the world yeah. perel huh. used the boy to come into the world as Smart. well but also holy shit i never even thought about this but because Billy was a fairy, even when Billy didn't remember being a fairy, mm-hmm. he was able to use Billy's like uh, mercurial like way walking yeah. mm-hmm. to sort of mm-hmm. leave that thalmic prison and enter a sort of midway state. Yeah. That's really cool. We wow. talked about how the three overlap a bit. Yeah. 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 And totally. I think we've suggested that the place that Billy met Perel for the first time was in the fairy. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. That's so fucking cool. Our yeah. show cool. is so cool. So it's fucking cool. sick. <laughs> God, we're good at this. Because the fairy realm is also a constructed realm that the fairies made, so it has its yes. own rules. Yeah. I was just, yeah, because I was thinking that like the Exodus project was probably like a construction site with a bunch of like contractors that are like, ah, yeah, these are the plans. This is what we're going to do. And then the fairy is just like a tree house that yeah. a bunch of kids uh-huh. like slap together. It's totally. always like that. Yeah. yeah. So cool. Where the nails are alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all these nails have names, unfortunately. Uh, all right. You have um, a question. Ving wants to know what, knowing what you know now and in this place and who you are and reconnecting with Perel and here we all are together. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? Four. No. Or, <laughs> then I think the answer is not good. <gasps> so what do I want to do? That's an interesting question. It's one that I have had many answers for over the 
nearly century that I was trapped? First, I think the answer was I wanted to be free. And then I wanted to be with the ones that I loved. And then for a long time, I wanted to be a horse. And then I wanted to be free of the horse dream. Tuck's like straight kid instincts kicks in here. Cause it's like when you're on the street, you get like really used to like being like, who's dangerous. Yeah. Like, Oh, that guy is not okay. I gotta get out of here. Yeah. And so like, Really imperceptibly, Tuck like leans back in his chair and puts his hand on TLC because right. he's like, Bing sees this. This just became wrong. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and then for a long time, I didn't know what I wanted, I didn't know who I was. And once I remembered who I was, I remembered that I was Morris Wadge. Master of arcane architecture. Lord over time and space. And now that I'm back and I know what's been done, I want to right what's been wrong. This world would fall apart without us and it sounds like it has. Tuck looks over and he notices that uh, Morris, he was like, where he's gripping the lectern, his hand is bleeding because oh. he's holding it so tight. Mm-hmm. And now I have a question for you all. Will you help me? Help you what? Put things right. I mean, we're kind of trying to do that already right now. Excellent. He like lifts his hands up and you see like blood oh, dripping like from his right Leonardo hand. Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, he's yes. like got his fist clenched and it's like leaking between his fingers. <laughs> and Tuck goes, oh God, he's DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Then the next step is to find others. Free the remaining wizards. If Perel was imprisoned, that suggests that there are others. Well, uh, Prell's not really a wizard anymore. Yeah. He's kind of a was wizard. <laughs> what are you? He's a wizard right now. <laughs> what do you. What, <laughs> burn. <laughs> what do you mean? Perry? What do they mean? And Perel steps forward and, uh, like, you know, gets up off the, like, post that he was leaning on. That's all stacked books in a spiral. It's, uh, it's true. I don't have my magic anymore. And Morris, his face clouds. He's like, what do you mean? What happened? Uh, Tuck <laughs> knows what happened. And he, you like every muscle tenses in his body. Who did this to you? Nobody, nobody did it to me. It was a necessity. Look, I didn't take my imprisonment well either. When I was released by these three, they saved me. A part of me was released as well that represented all the times that I'd gone too far. And I'm a better man now. But that part of me wanted its power back and tried to take me. And these three saved me. And as a consequence, I am currently without my magic, but we're, we're working on a solution. Yeah, I mean, Morris, I sense the uh, tension. Uh And I'm like, that's why we came to the tower, because we were hoping... uh, 
that this tower would lead us to the clues to help our friend, your friend, get his power back. Perel, you said, as a consequence. As a consequence of what? As a consequence of him killing me, we simply made him a safer person to be around. What do you mean, you made? And you feel the room start to scrunch in around you. Billy slides out of uh, the high chair and like takes the blanket off. He's like, well, that was a really nice lunch. Thank you so much. Uh, we can answer your questions outside of the tent. And uh, out of the corner of your eye, Tuck, you see Maggie kind of start sidestepping yeah. around like the other side that you guys are on. And you can see her hand like going to her belt where uh-huh. she's got a dagger. And Perel starts walking forward with his hands up. She's like, Morris, stay calm. It's okay. Everything's all right. What do you guys do? I don't want to fight Morris. No, you don't. <laughs> no, we can't. I don't even know if we can. In here, at least. Mm-hmm. I have an idea. So, I rolled the spell lore, right? Yeah. And he, he said that he didn't know who was behind the uh, Exodus project. And I have fount of knowledge. Oh. Which means if nobody knows about a thing, I take a plus one on a spelt lore against oh. it. Interesting. So I want to spout lore on who the fuck was actually behind Wizards First. Uh-huh. And was behind imprisoning and taking all of these wizards off the board. And taking the blanket of magic from the world. Yeah, because I think I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think you know too. Yeah. And I want to take a plus one forward, which means it's a flat 2d6 roll. I want to hear it. Yeah. Okay. I want to see this. All yeah. Because right. oh. if I can figure it out, then I can give him a different target. Uh-huh. I can give him a different thing to be mad at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it's like, instead of fighting us and like humans, fight the actual person who took you away from your family. Yeah. Just redirect his anger. All right. 2d6 plus zero. Jesus fucking Christ. No, that's fine. It's good. Yeah, it, this is not a pivotal role at all. Nah. <laughs> it's moments like this that I wish we fudged roles on this show. We can. We're not going to. No, we cannot. <laughs> Gonna get a 12. Feeling it's a 12. Six. Great. Aid. Aid. 100% I'll aid. Okay. 2d6 plus bond. Coming in. Plus one. Nine. Yes! Okay, so that makes it a seven. Okay. All right. Well, I think that Tux probably put some pieces together. Yeah. He's back in the Pizza Hut. <laughs> oh, back. Yes. Pizza Hut Palace? The yeah, mu- he's back in the Pizza <laughs> the Hut pizza Palace. Palace. <laughs> yeah. And he's he's sitting there eating a Pizzone. And there's a version of Tuck with a backwards hat and like a tank top and board shorts at a Mortal Kombat machine. Yeah. Just so our listeners who maybe haven't heard the other episodes are aware, <laughs> this is like being Joe Melkovich for Tuck to go into his mind and figure out what he's actually thinking yeah. about. He always goes to a sit-down Pizza Hut. And he talks to a version of himself, and everyone in the Pizza Hut is different yeah. versions of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this one's playing Mortal Kombat, and the guy—he's got his mouth full of dessert pizza, <laughs> and he's just like, he's like, it's obviously a fucking gibbous man, dude. And then it's like, he's out of the pizza. That was it. That was it. It's like fucking gibbous man, man. Oh my god. Obviously, we spent all that bus fare getting to the Pizza Palace just to get slam. <laughs> 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 to get a three-word answer 
and then leave. Just drinks a seven up. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. We're closed. I'm trying to kill Melina. <laughs> and then slam back yeah. to the fa- the Fanny Palace. And no. <laughs> that's not gonna work. And I then, thought that's what we called it. And and then Tuck goes, Fanny Palace. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Tuck, he picks up TLC and in his mind lets them know that they need to like pump out as much spirit energy as possible. Uh And he walks up to Morris and he takes the bag of obsidian coins that he has and he's like, I know you're mad and I know you want to take it out on somebody, but I think I know the person who orchestrated this whole thing. You should take it out on the person who made all of this happen, not on the people that were manipulated into fighting each other. And then he like tosses the bag of coins at Morris. And they'll spill out of the bag. There is a guy walking around the world, giving these things out. He runs an organization called the Dark Guard. They've been making big moves to change the world into a realm that will house icons more easily. And the first step of that was getting the wizards off the map. So I don't think you want revenge against us. I think you want revenge against Gibbous, because he's the one that kicked all of this off. Uh, 2d6 plus charisma. And it's, I guess the parlay is, I'll give you, I'll give you this information. And okay, re- actually, sorry. Remember with parlay, if you get a seven to nine, they need concrete assurance. Okay. How about the parlay is, we'll help you kill the gibbous man. Oh, smart. Mm. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Okay. Cause yeah. we've been looking for the dark guard too. Yeah. Ca- kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I mean, we've got like our list of priorities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mostly this season was a boat trip, but we did Look, mean yeah. to uh, kill the dark guard. When we left the library, we <laughs> said we were going to find the dark Look, guard. I try to keep stacking very important tasks. Yeah. I try. I think I have a price on my head. <laughs> oh, you do. Oh, and you're supposed to kill your dad yeah. or you die. No, yeah. that's like priority number two Four? right now. Yeah. <laughs> a big seal wants to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> that's the low that's who cares uh, can we cut to like what a stone eye is doing right now oh and he has built a shrine there's like he's painting yeah. things on the inside yeah. of a sea cave oh, yeah. totally he's looking at a picture of ving like it's crouched in on a beach yeah. yeah he's like ceremonially draped in kelp he's like painting his face <laughs> yeah like he's got war paint underneath yeah. his eyes there's like two selkies like standing 10 feet away that are like He's really gone off the deep end. He's lost a lot of weight. <laughs> I swear, by the salt of the sea, by the old gods in the new. <laughs> That's pretty cool. The stones at the base of the world. I will get my vengeance. <laughs> and then you guys are just back here like, you guys remember that foyer? Jesus. That was fucking nice. Wow. All right. 2d6 plus charisma. And I'm rolling the bone dice. Don't fuck it up. No, nobody fucks bone dice. Yeah, because if this fails, I'm going to have to kill Morris. If this fails, we have a new villain. Yeah. Potentially. So bone dice. (laughs) Bone dice. Five. Five plus three (gasps) is eight. Okay. Okay. Consult a sage. Sounding board on an aid. 
Oh, does that let you give a plus, plus two? Plus two forward Whoa. on a dis- uh, spout lore or discern realities. <gasps> okay. Oh, this would have been for the previous thing, not oh. the last thing, because this is a parlay. <laughs> Everyone's studying their sheets. <laughs> this I didn't is even so know had sheets until this moment. This is so rare that you guys like <laughs> that well, we actually uh, read. It's only armor? it's always only in the final episode of the season. I know. Technically, you have weed. <laughs> You can can share the weed with him, which gives you a bonus on parlay, and then someone can aid you. (laughs) As the standoff, smoking the weed. As the standoff is happening, Ving throws weed. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Heads up. I mean, what's the what's the worst? What's the scenario here? Is that you're you're honestly you're just offering to help him? I'm offering to help him, and I think I know what the concrete assurance I can give him is. Okay. Okay. I could use bardic lore. And to like the concrete assurance is to figure out who the gibbous man is, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. mm-hmm. like get him from it and then give him that. Mm-hmm. And that's the concrete assurance. Have you asked a question about the gibbous man before? I don't think so. Is it, is it something that you can't use if you've asked? What it's the before? first. So the way it reads is when you first encounter an important creature, location or item, your call covered by your bardic lore. Oh. You can ask the GM any one question about it. The GM will answer truthfully. The GM may ask you what legend, song, or tale you heard that information in. I honestly don't think we've ever, like, in-game at least, talked about the Gibbous Man. No, not really. I don't think we have. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we should explain what the Gibbous Man is for the listeners that maybe don't have access to the bonus stuff. So, in the song, The Thief and the Maid, which played at the end of season six uh the gibbous man is referenced as a similarly ancient figure to lillian Mm -hmm. who was responsible for capturing lillian and trying to bind her in some way until she was freed by chimes yeah so that is what we know about the gibbous man then we also know that the gibbous man or a figure we assume to be the gibbous man was responsible for recruiting wrath of the Medjai. Right, because we saw that vision when he was dying. Yeah. And that's really all we know. Didn't we also know the the thing that we got from Farhan, who was the torch, mm-hmm. was that there was an outside force directing the the demon of zealotry. Yes, and that the dark guard might not be the demons. Well, oh. And also, don't we know, or it's like uh, suggested in like text that he's like a warlock? Is that what they're talking about when they talk about like Lillian, uh, Lillian's tomb? Yeah, I think there is a connection to warlocks that is unclear. His nature is unclear, but he we do know that he looks like a man with wearing a big hat. Yeah, like, he's kind like of, a kindly old man. Yeah, with like a kindly aspect. Yeah, and all like, black. Yeah, traveling clothes he's and got, like a staff. Yeah, yeah, he's just like walks the world. He kind of looks like the like classic depiction of Odin. But old, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Odin, like the wanderer, the wanderer, the guy with the big hat and the have one eye. Then, no, I think I think he looks like Odin, but he's got both of his eyes and no beard. Right, yeah, he's clean shaven. His eyes are black. Oh, I want him to have beard. Okay, beard and black eyes. That's cool. I think I think it's like he can disguise himself to look normal because he he comes as a kindly man to help. That might not be his true yeah nature. 
I think his yeah I think in art he's been depicted in old art he's been depicted as wearing all black with black eyes yeah, yeah very saw, manipulative person yeah, yeah the photos were like black eyes or like one black one blue oh I like two different like yeah. he has one hetero- black one blue makes perfect sense yeah. he has heterochromia yeah, yeah. Uh, well I mean is it heterochromia or is it full eye like his oh, oh in his in his kindly forms he's depicted as having heterochromia yeah mm-hmm. but like in his true form it's a full blue and a full black eye yeah oh i like that for the day and night right sky blue because he's the gibbous he is both the dark and the light like he is he's the sliver of light yeah mm-hmm. right because it's the gibbous is yeah. very oh, right before so the full and the new yeah, yeah. oh because there are two gibbuses too. There's yes. the waxing gibbous and the waning gibbous. I think that's what he's they, doing. There's twins. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. I, I feel like we're twins. right on the edge of something that I want to say. <laughs> oh, I want to shoot I, it. Oh, I'm so. I feel like I wanted to hold on to this for a long time. I, we're almost done. It's the dice, yeah. man. The dice decide. Okay. So there are some, some depictions and some. Wait, what are you asking? I. <laughs> I want you to tell me the thing that you were gonna say. No, I want you to. <laughs> I want you to ask me a question. I think the question we're circling around is like, what is the Gibbous Man? Because that's the unknown. Mm. Like he's likely in charge of the Dark Guard. We know the Dark Guard's vague plans and like the consequences that that will have on the different realms. Mm-hmm. But I think like the question is like, what is the Gibbous Man, and what is his end game here? Mm-hmm. Pretty good question. What is the Gibbous man? What is his end game? But all one question. No, nope. no punctuation. You get one yeah. or the other. Uh, no, if you don't add any commas or, or anything like that, it's <laughs> yeah. just one question. What is the Gibbous man? So the Gibbous man. And what is his end game? <laughs> <laughs> and where does he come from? Where does he go? Where do you come from, Kanejo? <laughs> nice try, fucker. Uh, the Gibbous man. Like based in your like year of research at the Margani Library. Well, maybe it's not like it, I did a year of research and then from the mists of my mind, a song returns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Ooh. exactly. So the references to the Gibbous Man are few and far between, but references to beings of similar aspect you found more common early on in the, the early ages of the world. And based on songs and art and writings that you've found throughout your time you think that the gibbous man must be a name that was given to this person at some point by some culture Mm -hmm. but not the only name you would think based on his connections to the dark guard and his connections to warlocks and demons and the references to lillian that he is of multiple aspects realms he seems to be based on depictions of the blue of day and the dark of night and the connections to giants and the obsidian coins and the iconic realm and the outer dark lead you to one conclusion the gibbous man is the god of the sky And that's where we're going to end it for this week. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm your game master, Sean O'Hara. Joining me as always, playing Tacoma Dome, the Barbarian Abdul Aziz. So long. Playing Ving, the half-elf druid, Paul Oppers. Oh, bye. And playing Fat Billy, the halfling thief, Jessica Ty. So cool. Bye. <laughs> uh, thank you to Aaron Reed for our intro and outro music. Uh, you can find all of Aaron's music at aaronreed.bandcamp.com. Uh, you can find all of the music that he composed for Spell Lore, written by Abdullah and myself at SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. Just Google Spell Lore SoundCloud. That'll do it. This show is only possible thanks to supporters on Patreon. If you would like to support us, you can find us at patreon.com slash speltlore or speltlore.com slash money, please, to get access to a whole whack of bonus content, a whole campaign set in the High Spear Mall starring the Cool Treat Kids, postcards, monthly video streams, and a bunch of other writing and content that you're going to fucking love. I can tell already. I can feel it coming through the headphones. You're going to love it. Uh, And thank you, finally and most of all, to you for listening and so ends the tale of adventures three who tried the best they can though dumb and scared and lost they be for times abreast in revelry and though our journey may be like a conclusion we will not leave you without a rest Turn next week to hear some more whilst you commute or do your chores. And for you, I'd gladly spout more. Is that a satisfying Whoa. answer? Yeah. yeah. That was a great sky. answer. Who else do we know of gods? Well, we know that the sky god was the father of the god of the, of the, god of the flame. Oh. Yeah. That's why what? Sky God was the first god we ever talked about. That, uh, that you talked that talk, talk yeah. about. Yeah. And the God of the Flame. So two people wow. were, the, the story goes, two people were copulating in a field. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, yeah. Nice. and under the blue sky of day and a bolt of lightning. Put your headphones on okay. just so I can use this just in yeah. case. Uh, copulating in a field under the blue sky of day in McCall many, 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 many years ago and a bolt of lightning struck down and blessed their union and the child that was conceived there became the god of the flame oh my god yeah so was the father the guy in the field or was the father the, the lightning bolt the lightning welcome bolt. to christianity wow it's the lightning bolt <laughs> it's a great nice. question oh it's definitely the lightning bolt uh so yeah they that, that that's the thing with the god of the flame is his <laughs> his react like it's always been is he man is he god mm, like what Hercules. is he truly yeah exactly he is kind of a demigod in a way but um yeah, his yeah. like his vibe is Hercules. Wow. Uh, yeah. Hercules and like King Solomon. Yeah. Yeah. The god sense. of the flame is Hercules. You mean Gibbous Man is Hercules? No, no. the god of the flame. Yeah. The uh, Gibbous Man would be more like Zeus. This makes so much sense because if the moon is falling in love with a with a mortal, of course the sky is going to be like, "Excuse me, how how dare you like try to leave right our realm?" So he locks her up because he's like, "You're mine." You don't right. get to leave. If he is the god of the sky, yeah. that means Lillian is his daughter. Yes. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like that, I guess that would I guess the the origin myth of the god of the flame, if that's true, mm-hmm. suggests that Lillian and the god of the flame would kind of be different children classifications. Right, yes. But like that's what I'm similar parentage. Mm-hmm. Quote unquote parentage. Yeah. 
shit. And I guess, yeah, and parentage can in some ways work a little differently. Too. Oh, yeah. We're talking like myths here. Yeah, yeah. Like this is not necessarily like, uh, hi, I'm the Gibbous Man. No, this I know. is Lillian's mom, <laughs> Sheila. <laughs> we're not together anymore, but, you know, we're trying to co-parent. Yeah. <laughs> She's with Glorgug. <laughs> She's with Glorgug, Lord of Destruction from a separate sphere. You know, whatever. Um, that's really cool. Lord of the Sky. 